This, this is Soccer in the Loop with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Exclusively on the Soccer Boys in St. Louis, the Big 550 KTRS. Welcome in, everybody. It's Soccer in the Lou on the Big 550 KTRS. We're jumping right in. Matt Baker with me a little bit later on in the show, but it's time to talk some City 2 soccer. Brendan Weesey with the head coach for St. Louis City 2, Coach Bobby Murphy. Coach, it's always a pleasure, sir. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? Really well. I appreciate you taking a few minutes. And, you know, we're a couple of weeks into training camp for City 2. Coach, do you feel any more familiarity? Is there a, a more comfort level for you as, as as you begin this journey into your second season as the coach? Yeah, for me personally, I think, you know, having having had a year and gotten my, my feet underneath me, um, has made this year uh, the preparation and and just the overall um, uh, preseason just go much more smoothly for my end for sure for me and my staff I, I, I think that's probably the case. Is there are are there a couple of lessons to take from last year that you can circle and say this is this is something we're doing differently or this is something that we're going to do and and maybe even emphasize more or are there a couple of those points that stand out to you? Yeah, I think the big thing for us um, is having been through it once and the, the recognition and understanding that, that these players aren't my players, that they're the club's players. Um, and so we just have to be flexible with um, with how these players move up and down within the club. For example, we've got probably four guys that are with the first team right now. And then we've had quite a few academy kids that we've been waiting for, but they've been um, playing the UPSL National Championship. So we've been without them. And that's okay, and we just move on with our core group and can stay focused and know that, you know, uh, pretty soon we'll have everybody together and then we'll be able to move forward. So I think that's been the big lesson is just uh, just a constant reminder to be flexible. Yeah, and it's and we talked about this, I know, last year, Coach, where you may have a situation where one of your better-performing players moves up to the first team, and that's all part of the gig, and it's and it's something that is – it's it's certainly a net positive for the club, but it's a net positive for what you guys are doing there at City Two. When somebody has a chance to make that leap up, you guys are obviously doing something right, uh, helping their progression along. Yeah, and I think that's that's something we take. You know, we want to take pride in. We want to just keep producing uh, players for the first team, which just helps everybody. So, yeah, just trying to do our part. Let's coach take a look at. A couple of uh, a few players that you have brought on to your City Two Club for 2024. You've made some additions. In fact, here just a few days ago on Friday, you added five players to the roster. A lot of them with uh, uh, recent college experience, and a couple of them that had played some MLS Next Pro from last year. If we can go over those players, Coach. Uh, first one being, uh, is it Sam? Silly or chilly from the San Jose Earthquakes. What can you tell me about Cam? Yeah, Cam. Um, you know, Cam comes from um, just a long line of being successful. You know, he he went to Stanford and played there. Um, I think won a national title there, and then was at San Jose and was a big part of their their run last year. And so I think what he brings us is one, he's a very talented player. Um, two. Um, he brings a mentality that I think will be really beneficial to us. And I think part of that is just, you know, 
kids who get into places like Stanford and can succeed there are people who can grind and work, you know, fight adversity and kind of overcome the odds to, to, to get in and, and succeed. So he's been fantastic so far in preseason. So we're really excited to have Cam here. Is that something just maybe philosophically with the club coach where there are, there are certain collegiate programs where if you can find somebody from, uh, again, a program like Stanford where you might prioritize their signing higher than if, if they went to a different school? No, because I think, you know, I think, um, I think what is it, the Right to Dream Academy's uh, slogan is uh, talent is evenly distributed throughout the world, but opportunity isn't. So to just pigeonhole ourselves into certain programs, um, we do that at the expense of, of, of a lot of kids who have, have talent. So um, while I just, think, I just think Cam just happens to be a really good fit for us. Tell me a little about Jaden Reed. He comes by way of the New York Red Bulls last year, so obviously some familiarity as uh, to what you guys want to do in St. Louis or maybe what he saw in New York, Coach. Yeah, Jay, Jay's, um, you know, he's, 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 he's an imposing presence up and down the left-hand side. He's a big kid. He's six, about 6'2 six and athletic. And, you know, he was in a first-team setting last year with the Red Bulls and things didn't work out, and he's looking to kind of, not take a step back, but just sort of get a change of scenery and push his career forward. And I think he's got every opportunity to have a long career. So, you know, he's been, he's been equally good, you know, this preseason taking on, you know, familiarity with the system with, 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 um, you know, our similarity to, to Red Bull, but at the same time, like really, I think just a breath of fresh air getting out of the Northeast where he'd been for so long with Red Bull and Yukon and, and just kind of, kind of a fresh start for him. And he's really taken, taken, taken to that opportunity. There's a and there's Ryan Betcher, coach. He comes by way of UMBC, but then most recently out of the West Coast at UCLA. So he's got experience really on both both coasts. But uh, what did you see from Ryan and uh, the experience that he can bring to City too? Yeah, Ryan, and he's got local ties here as well. He's got family in the area, and um, his dad played in the area. Um, you know, I think what Ryan gives us is versatility. You know, he's he's another like really good athlete. He's about six three. Um, you know, he's he's a goal scoring threat. He can play a variety of positions, um, and we just see him as, as a really high ceiling guy um, who you know did really well in his one semester at UCLA after doing really well at UMBC. So I, we're really excited to get him. He picked up a knock early in preseason. hasn't trained the last couple of weeks, but he's due back on the field later this week. So we're excited to get him going again. Gabriel McKenna, another name to keep an eye on as he comes over in these uh, most recent signings coach and that played his collegiate ball uh, up at Syracuse. Yeah, Gabby, I went and saw um, Syracuse play, and he caught my eye there for sure, and then digging into his backstory a little bit. Um, tried to make a go of it over in Poland, and circumstances beyond his control, he came back and wasn't sure what he was going to do and ended up at Niagara University and you know, did really well there in a program that's sort of a mid-major and really grinded and pushed himself and always, believed, you know, sort of backed himself and believed that, um, you know, he could push higher and, and, and did exactly that at Syracuse and was a big part of their program. And now, um, you know, we just got his visa through. So he was, today was his first day of training and he looked, looked good, looked sharp, and we're, you know, really excited to get him bedded down and, um, you know, working with him. Final uh, St. Louis, or another piece from St. Louis, and the final piece of this recent five-man uh, signing class coach is Sam Gomez, 
uh, goalie that uh, played uh, most recently uh, with uh, with SIUE and uh, a very good SIUE team this past season. Yeah, and so Sam Sam's a little bit older for our group, but he brings a lot of experience and he can help push the young goalkeepers. And um, we just think he's a really good fit. And I think we do our best, you know, even if they don't come through our academy, we, we understand there's a lot of kids from the area that move on and go to university and we can always have a local tie where we're excited to do that we're visiting with uh head coach bobby murphy st louis city too as they are uh continuing with training camp right now here locally they're going to head out of town here soon as uh, their preseason schedule will get a first preseason match coming up coach against union omaha that's just a few days away and they're from the usl um, I believe League One. They're not. Uh, they're not USL Championship level. You'll you'll see one of those coming up later in camp. But what can you tell me about uh, taking on Union Omaha here real soon? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know they won the league last year. They won the regular season. They probably had a really good shot at winning the whole thing. I think they outshot Charlotte thirty-three to five in the semifinal and lost in penalty kicks. So. They're going to be a talented side. I think what you're finding in USL one now is the league itself is, is gotten older. Um, it's, you know, so it's no longer 22, 23 year old guys trying to get a foothold. It's, it's guys older because you know, the money's gotten a little better in the league and, you know, they can support guys with family. So you'll see a different animal for sure. You know, of older, more experienced players going against our young ones. And that's coming up here in just a few days. Coach, you mentioned some of the academy guys. In fact, they were uh, competing out in California over the weekend in the UPSL championship game. What what pieces from the academy do you think are ready and and able to start contributing for you guys at City 2 this year? Um, you know, I think Noel McGuire, who played quite a few games for us toward the end of the season last year, he'll be back in the mix. Um Kai Yeager is also a wide, uh, wide pullback. Um, he'll be in with us. Um, we're going to give a look to a couple others, um, Jackson Delkis and Anthony Fappel, as well as Mikey Lay. So I think there's, you know, uh, Carson Locker as well. Um, so I think there's, there's five or six that we think can help fill out the roster. Um, you know, so we're just really excited about them. Like they've been in training with us and we've watched, you know, before they left a little bit, but just sort of watching these kids grow up right before your eyes and, and, you know, trust in, you know, I think we're really as a club committed to trusting them um, to take that next step, you know, and have the full support. So I think, you know, I think we, we missed one, one, one guy we signed um, early in our discussion, Seth Antwi, who came from High Point. He's a right to dream kid from Ghana. Um, and somebody like Seth, who's, who's, you know, from the other side of the planet, um, who's come here, who's made a success, you know, his influence on these kids, um, has been huge, um, and we're really looking forward to that. But I think, you know, I think the club is is prepared and, and to really push these kids forward and and give them opportunities um, at the next level. You know, I think that's that's why we're here. And you know, you keep just pushing doors open and see what's on the other side. So we're excited to let these kids out of the gate and see them see them go. You're right. That was a, an omission on my part, mi- mi- missing Seth. There, it was a six man signing class from from last week. Is as he joins this city two team and and coach uh, maybe the, the the greatest success story from city two a season ago was the emergence of Johnny Klein he's back uh, just 
talk about his emergence and where he's at in his development as uh, a striker that's obviously incredibly dangerous and and seeing his level of play continue to rise. Yeah, I think you know we were really we knew what we were getting with Johnny last year. I don't, and I think um, we knew we were getting a very good player, um, smart kid, very competitive. Um, and then I think it just all sort of took off and probably exceeded everybody's expectations a little bit. Um, and so, and this year, I think, you know, what you get from Johnny is, is a recognition, a real honesty about who he is and, you know, what his strengths are. And he plays to his strengths and doesn't try to be something he's not, you know, he's not the biggest kid in the world. He's not the fastest kid in the world, but he's got good feet and he's got a good brain and he, you know, finds good areas to get into and then combine well with others. So, um, and then again, you know, being dangerous around goal. So we were really, really happy for him. Um, especially since he came into last year's preseason with a, with a, with an injury and, you know, sort of missed the first week, six weeks. And so he's been healthy this, this so far, this camp. And we expect really big things out of him this year. Is there anything for Johnny that you, that, that you as a, as a club talk to him about where maybe he needs to improve to take that next step? Um, yeah, I think it's just continuing to refine like what he's good at. You know, I think so often, um, you know, whether it's, our game or, or anything else, people try and not do what they're good at. You know, there's nothing. So if you can be really good at something, go be really good at it. And so his ability to play in between lines, get in the pockets, turn, slide people in, um, combine with others and just keep doing that at a, at a you know, a quicker and cleaner uh, pace. Um, I think will will allow him to push on in his career. Coaches, as we start to, to tie it together here, Something I, I know last year is you guys really played well down the stretch, and I know you had some great crowds there at City Park. What would you what would you say to some of the fans? Because I know a lot of folks. Maybe the biggest complaint last year was they couldn't get tickets. They couldn't get tickets to the first team. And I I, I, I said it all the time here on this show. If you're looking to go and, and see a game at City Park, find tickets uh, and go see City Two play. What would be your advice to those same people this year that are looking to get into the park? Maybe don't have season tickets, but might have a chance to come watch uh, you guys with City Two uh, uh, play a game. Yeah, I think you know. Um, I speak for everybody in the club, and not just my group. That we were we were really grateful to those that started to sort of catch on to 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 the product and and what the the players were doing. Um, and I think I think it's. It, it's it's such an amazing sort of situation here that so many people support the club, so many people love the club, want to want to want to be a part of it, and yet it is so difficult to get into the first team games. But it's a really affordable opportunity. I was talking to a family after one of our games, um, and they said this was cheaper than going to the movies and way better. So we've tried to we've tried to schedule them so that it's a little more family friendly. Um, some of our kickoff times, um, we've really encouraged our players to to come across and meet the fans after the games and shake hands and and sign autographs. So there's an accessibility component to it. Um, and I think there's just a real pride, you know, in this, in this city of, of supporting your own and to have so many local kids take the field in that stadium, representing their hometown club. Um, I think it's a pretty special thing for people to come and watch and witness. And, you know, it's sort of like seeing Pearl Jam in a club before they went big. You can always <laughs> say you saw so-and-so before, before he blew up. So, Yeah. It, I just, I just think it's, I just think it's a great opportunity for people to get into the stadium, and I think we're, you know, we always, um, we're not, um, we're well aware of the fact of, you know, how special it is for our guys to play in front of four, five, six, even ten thousand people 
for second team games and, and we're, we're really grateful and we do our best to you know represent them uh represent them in the city well and there isn't another sport here in town coach where you get to see that development from the ground up whether it be with the academy and with city two and then up to the first team where you get to see all of that development right here in town you don't have to go see your minor league t- team play down in florida or texas or arkansas or what have you they're all just they're, they're right here within uh a short driving distance and it's a a great aspect and i'm not even sure if every mls club necessarily has that um has that availability but you guys certainly do and it and it's a, and it's a great thing that uh st louis city provides its fans to see that growth really from day one up to the first team yeah and i think there's a lot of relatable stories in there you know i mean i think last year with Faisal and, and, and um, his connection to his local mosque and bringing kids out from that community. I think Caden Glover and Mackay and, and even um, being local kids and local high schoolers can relate to them. Uh, Nolan last year, McGuire had some school, I don't even know which school it was, almost adopted him as their, his, their spirit animal. And they would come <laughs> and just support Nolan. And Nolan didn't even know who these kids were. And, um, you know, so there's there's just a lot of good stories um, and a lot through that accessibility that I think people can latch on to and, um, and watch these kids grow up. And Coach, first regular season game, when are you guys kicking off? I believe, don't hold me to this, we're waiting on the final schedule, but uh, the 17th of March, Sunday. Awesome. Well, that would be a big day, St. Patrick's Day, and a lot happening around the city, and uh, that would be uh, that'll be an awfully good time here for St. Louis City, too. Coach, I, I appreciate the time, and thank you so much for spending with us here on the Big 550 KTRS, and look forward to checking in with you throughout the year. All right. Well, thank you, and thank you for all your support. Now more Soccer in the Loop with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Soccer in the Loop continues here on the Big 550 KTRS. Brendan Weesey with Matt Baker, of course, the host of the Flyover Footy podcast that you hear right here game days. But uh, you're hearing it on the weekend again now on Saturdays as we get closer to actual Match day, Matt, and I feel like we've been getting enough newsworthy moments over the last few weeks. I don't, I don't know if we're quite to the to the usual workload that would come during real match weeks, Matt, but I get a sense you're able to fill one show, and then I think you're you're. We haven't gotten to the fallout pod yet, but you're filling other podcasts throughout the week with the information that we're starting to get. Yeah, it's it's a different beast this preseason, but that's one of the things we were curious on is a a full preseason first that's between seasons now. What's that going to look like for how much information and news we have? And it's definitely been no shortage of things to talk about on one pod plus pods radio, YouTube. I mean, there's a lot of different avenues that we're trying to take advantage of with Flyover Footy to bring all of this news and information, not just from City, but also things outside of the club itself that impact City. Things like CONCACAF Champions Club that starts this week. It's actually running uh, as as we're on the air tonight. And, and, and League's Cup news that just came out. That's this summer. We've already found out who we're going to play there. There's just a whole lot of information to talk about before we get into the X's and O's on the field. 
Right, exactly. Uh, I wanted to start with something that was off the pitch today, Matt, but I know it, they had been working on it. The new offices, the new city offices opened up today and made it available for uh, at least uh, the media to be able to view. What did you make of the new digs? It's impressive. Yeah, there's there's a lot that connects everything together. It, it, the story that it helps to tell is really impressive in the sense that you have the stadium north of Market and then south of Market, which they really have leaned into the Soma phrase, south of Market, and their house that is the headquarters, the home of St. Louis City front office and staff. It gives everybody related to St. Louis City who is employed in some way, shape, or form on the field and off a permanent home in the downtown West District. And when you go in that facility, it's impressive in its multi-purpose capabilities. They have all these different uh, ancillary spaces beyond the employee areas where they'll be able to host watch parties. They have an eSports lounge. They have a content studio. They have a recording studio for podcasts and other interviews. They really feel like they've made the most of this space that is this historic building that, as Lee Broughton, the chief brand architect, will tell you, used to be a home for creating generators in St. Louis. And they're using that. They're leaning hard into generating all this excitement, creativity, and passion alongside the field because they're, the fourth and the fifth floor were created a, a giant uh, glass facade that allows perfect views of all three training fields of the stadium. And it really feels like it caps off city's portion of their footprint in downtown west but as lee Broughton will also be sure to tell you it's a it's a facilitator for everything else that's still growing all the development this is just another aspect of that in downtown west matt that uh, brings us to our first exhibition match that uh, went down over the weekend and city out in well at least their first exhibition match out west in california and a chance for city to play the la galaxy and it's gonna be a busy week for city they've got more exhibitions to come we hope the weather works itself out because they've been dealing with uh, torrential rain now for days out uh, in much of the california coastline but uh, Matt, just curious what you made of the exhibition, had a chance to watch it. They made it available through the app on Saturday. What did you take away from City's effort on the pitch against the Galaxy turned into a 2-1 win? I think there are a lot of individual highlights that you can look to that are going to provide some excitement going into this season. It was our first real chance to see Chris Durkin in this offense, first real chance to see Tomas Totland and what they're going to be able to bring. And if, if you're not excited after watching this LA Galaxy match, even cautious optimism, I don't know what to tell you, because the first goal, Chris Durkin provided a look that we hadn't really seen a lot last year in the ability to play off of a set piece that was still retained by, by City. And Durkin's pinpoint accuracy and a shot outside the box off of an Indiana Vasilev set piece that had bounced wide gives St. Louis another opportunity and whether it's Durkin or Leuven whoever ends up being in that position we know Leuven and Vasilev are the ones to take the free kicks but that was exciting to see and that's that's something that Durkin immediately endeared himself to the St. Louis fans by doing and then Tomas Tolan out there on the right side he had a uh, multiple opportunities to facilitate for Jacques Klaus for Sam Adenron up top and his ability to play two ways were on full display in the first half where he, he made some key defensive stops 
but also the positioning. I, I was watching Tomas Totland to see how his positioning on the right-hand side was on defense. If, if there was a few different areas that we needed to improve on defensively, it was our spacing in transition. Tomas Totland showed a propensity to put himself in the right spaces to ensure there were no gaping holes between, for instance, himself and Josh Yarrow or Chris Durkin. They, the way that they had these triangles in the corners worked very well. And that was just a little glimpse because that's what you're looking for in these preseason matches. You're not looking to draw too many big conclusions, especially from the results, but you want to see glimpses of growth and those exciting moments that you hope to expand upon as players become more comfortable playing with each other. Those two players in particular, and then in the second half, I really liked Jose Kojima and what he was showing in the midfield. This, the takeaway I had from the entire match is how impressive our midfield was with Durkin and Tomas Ostrak at the eighth in the first half, and then Jose Kojima and Jabulu Blom in the second half. I think this is providing us a host of depth, especially if Jose Kojima impresses enough to earn himself a first-team contract for withstanding some of these matches longer in the season. And we did all this without Edu Leuven, without Joachim Nilsson, who are finishing up their green cards and should have them now or close to now. And I, I was impressed by the depth, and I thought it, it was an interesting showing for some of the youngsters, Caden Glover and Brendan McSorley up front in the second half. And you can't walk away from this game without mentioning AZ Jackson and Nukby Thorson, two of the players who need to step up the most with the loss of Nico Joachini. AZ Jackson had a little bit of a reunion with John Nelson a few times in that match. One of them actually led to the goal in the second half, so that was a really interesting way to start off the California preseason trip by having John Nelson uh, be worked by AZ Jackson to an extent and then facilitate to Nukby Thorson in space something that we hope to see a lot more of with Newby Thorson in the box, up front, finding space where others might be holding the ball, and then he's able to create space and finish off of it. That was, that was really heartening to see at the end of the match, and I think you had to walk away from all of these instances with uh, a, level of, a, a level of excitement, even if you didn't carry any expectations into the game. And, man, Newby Thorson is somebody last week that Lutz mentioned specifically as somebody with Nico Joachini gone, hey, here's somebody we went out and acquired last year knowing at some point the opportunity is going to be there for him to emerge and that opportunity has opened up with Nico's departure. And I, I think the writing is on the wall where if he continues to impress Matt, his, his role and his opportunity on this team is only going to grow. That's right. In the second half, we saw Katie McGlover and Brendan McSorley take the, the forward positions, and Newby Thorson was more of a left winger. But we saw he scored the goal by moving all the way over to the right side, and that speaks to his flexibility to play any of those forward positions, whether it's a wide wing or a second striker, or even potentially a striker position with a Rasmus Alm or an AZ Jackson up front. His flexibility is huge, but what we're needing from him is a, a real breakthrough performance. The conversations after Lutz mentioned him specifically really gravitated towards what we saw from him in the second half of last year. And I'll make the case all day, every day, that what we saw from Nukby Thorson was a, a glimmer of, of his potential. And that was because he was brought in with an eye towards this year. Lutz said on multiple occasions last season that Thorson was being brought in. We have a we need up front now. This is a long-term acquisition. So at the end of last season, when Klaus was healthy, you had AZ, AZ Jackson coming on up front, but you had also Nico Giochini and Sam Denner on as forwards. That was a wealth of strike, strikers, a wealth of attacking potential. 
that we, we could allow Nuki Thorson to come on slowly, acclimate in St. Louis, learn the system. He had his glimpses himself, uh, most notably with a, a goal-scoring outburst along with Anthony Markanik against FC Dallas last year. But this season, he's taking that next step. And I think we're seeing the first pieces of that fall into place in how he works well with an AZ Jackson, how he's able to take advantage of the space up front created by others. And we are going to need him. You're spot on, Brendan, to fill Nico Giochini's 2,000 minutes, 10 goals. It's not going to be just relying on Sam and Denneron. It's not going to be just relying on AZ Jackson. But the more we can spread that out for this talented group, the better. And you talked a few moments ago about Tomas Totland and somebody that I don't think we've talked a whole lot about yet. But the more you, the more you read about this guy and the more we get a little glimpse of what he's capable of, Matt, I, I get a sense he's going to be a real difference maker for this group in 2024. I am most excited to see how Tomas Tolan and Nicholas Dewar end up on the field together. Because the one way that St. Louis, I felt, like to attack the ball last season was asymmetrically, where they take one of their fullbacks and they push them higher, and then the other fullback falls back into a more defensive posture. So in the attack, it often looked like we had three defenders. With both of these players capable of providing two-way attacking and defensive capabilities, it provides more flexibility, I think, on both sides. So you can have better transitions and more skillful transitions on both sides, as opposed to last season when you had, whether it was Jake Nerwinski and Akil Watts on the right or Kyle Hebert oftentimes on the left, Anthony Markanik later in the season, a little less experienced. You're bringing in some guys who you can mix and match this. You're not going to have to rely on moving the ball consistently up the field on one wing, you can mix it up. And mixing it up, that capability, along with the, the idea that St. Louis is going to work on possessing the ball just a little bit more, even if it's just being more skillful when they need to, that provides a lot of interesting opportunities for both of them. And it was good to see Tomas Totland come out so strong against the LA Galaxy. We're going to watch Nicholas Dewar come on, hopefully against LAFC and the New York Red Bulls here in Coachella, and then start the season. But it really feels like this right-back job may be Tomas Totland's take. It would be a massive uh, to see him uh, sort of uh, establish that role. And, and you've talked a lot about the depth here, Matt. And I don't know if we're – I don't know at what point we get a a really good look as to how expanded that depth is. We're, we're getting an idea. I I, I – I don't want to make too much out of the exhibition games as we're obviously seeing some of the younger guys play that are, are probably going to get run with City 2. But mm-hmm. at, at what point, Matt, do you get in a sense that we're going to start, and, and obviously it requires uh, Leuven and Nielsen being uh, back with the team, but at, at what point do you get a sense we're going to start to see Bradley roll out a lineup that might look more like it's going to look here very soon with the Champions Cup? I think that the LAFC game, assuming it's played in California tomorrow, is probably our first opportunity to see that. Bradley Carnell, before he left, mentioned the, the plan of action at Coachella was to play two 45-minute halves against LA Galaxy and then start to ramp up some players a little bit more against LAFC and then stretching them out in against New York. And then later on, whenever we have our closed-door friendly back in St. Louis, looking at, at getting players up to around 75 minutes. Because he said, 
a player can go 75, they can go 90. So I think that's the progression we're looking for. And along with that progression, you're going to focus just inherently on the types of players who you expect to need that the most to start the season. So I would expect that whoever he starts to stretch out into the second half, you start to look at the starting lineup a little more closely in these next couple of games, and then you would not expect full-sale halftime changes. So that's going to be interesting to see in these battles for midfield, for some of the wing positions, the fullbacks, to see who really starts to separate themselves. Is it is it in fact going to be Tomas Tolan that starts to see starts and then lasting into the second half? Is Indiana Vasilev, Celio Pompeu, Tomas Ostrak, Chris Durkin, Edu Leuven, Jabulu Blom, which of these players are going to start and then last more into the second half? That's your indicator on, at least at the beginning of the season, against teams like Houston and Ralph Salt Lake, who we might be looking to for starting 11. And do you think the lineup, because that first, the first week's going to be so interesting because you've got the multiple Champions Cup matches and you've got the regular season match in between. So I think we get a really, we get a good look, and we have touched on this a little bit, but the, the way Bradley is going to manipulate his lineup, those first three matches, I'm just going to be very curious to see because I, I, I think... I think this te- I think this group really pushes hard for the Champions Cup. It gives them at this point it's a complete clean slate at the start of the year. Who knows what League's Cup looks like in the middle of the season? We can talk about that here in a little bit. But I I think just the construction and how this team attacks those first three games with a regular season match in the middle is going to be so interesting. I also wonder too how much they're going to go back to the notions of needing to finish MLS stronger than they start. We've heard a few times dating back to the end of last season that there, there, there's a hope of starting strong and you always want to start strong, but I don't think there's a, a need as much as there was last year to prove themselves right out of the gates in right, MLS. So right. I'm, cur- I'm curious if that's going to manifest itself in pushing for a Champions Cup, at least in the initial game. Because yep. if you start that first game at home with a win – it may change some lineup decisions here against Ralph Salt Lake, knowing that you have a second leg that following week. So maybe you see more of a quote-unquote ideal starting 11 against Houston because of that. And then the first home match, maybe you see a couple pieces of rotation. Maybe you bring in, uh, you sit Sam or you sit Tomas Totland or one of these players who starts against Houston. And and that, that I think is going may surprise some fans who aren't as plugged into CONCACAF Champions Cup, but... You know, there could be a lot of things they're preparing for depending on the outcome of that first game against Houston. I, and, and, man, I think you, you bring up in turn such a, a great conversation piece here that uh, and th- this, could, this could take us through the rest of the episode. And I think really uh, interesting to focus on. You talk about going this club going hard last year, and it made so much sense, and it paid off because – the, the city was already excited about the club, but then to see them win, win early and often, go and, 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 and break that record to for an expansion club start, and it I think everything just sort of fed off that the rest of the way, and now all of that you can set aside. There doesn't need to be the talk about, well, what a great expansion club. Look at this great start by this team that's never done it before, and... The only thing that matters now are championships, be it in the Champions Cup, be it in League's Cup, maybe, but most importantly, 
in the MLS. And I mean, the the, the coach is never going to say, "Yeah, we're we're not we're not out there giving it our all. We're not. It's not like we're not trying to win." But subtly, I think it'll be interesting just to see the approach. And maybe Matt, we're able to glean certain things off of roster decisions, off roster construction, and how that looks early, middle, late and how they're approaching this season compared to last. Yeah, I, I like to look back at last season and hearing Bradley Carnell and Luke Benichiel talk about how they viewed and broke down the season itself. And they often spoke of blocks of games. And it was around six or so blocks of games. And so when we do our, our season preview here in a week or two on Flyover Footy, we're going to break the season down into these blocks that, that we believe that the club is going to look at. And looking at how those blocks were last season – they bought themselves so many points to start the year. If you look at what you expect to walk out of each block with, say you expect to finish with 12, 15 points, and a stretch goal might be 18 points, that allows you to play with certain rosters at the end of these blocks against teams that you might be in the middle of a longer road trip. Maybe you haven't had as much of a break because of midweek matches. And you look at that in conjunction with what your goals are for these blocks of five or six games or so, and, and you wonder just how much they're going to be rotating compared to what they did last year. We, we only saw rotation by necessity early in the year, whether it was injury or if they had a midweek matchup. But maybe we, we see a little bit more rest time. Maybe we flip some players, and, and so we're going into a match, maybe starting Chris Durkin and Jabulu Blum comes in in the second half, or starting Indiana Vasilev and Salio comes in the second half. All these different things that speak to a 1A, 1B in the depth chart, as opposed to a true, this guy's your A starter, this guy's your B starter. I think that's what this depth, as we see St. Louis go into all these matches, is going to have to show. We have to feel just about as confident in going into a matchup with Jake Nowinski on the right side as we will with Tomas Totland, despite all the hoopla and fanfare around bringing in a guy like Tomas Totland. If we don't feel like there's that big of a drop-off, we can feel much more comfortable with going into some early MLS matches with some of the, the perceived backups or the perceived non-starters because everyone loves to talk about what the ideal starting 11 is and anybody else who's not an ideal starting 11, there's a little bit of, of a thought, well, he's lesser than or this is a clear-cut step down. But I think that's what Bradley Carnell works on and consistently going back to last season, it was the next man up and how he was able to plug and play Sam Adeneron, AZ Jackson, Josh Yarrow, and Akil Watts in a specific game and then they all of a sudden went on a winning streak. You know, that, that ability is still there. You just have to get it from a different group of guys. And in some ways, it's more exciting at this point because the level of skill that we've improved upon at those fullback positions and in the midfield is significant. And it enables a higher floor for this club when you're talking about some of these rotations in a lot of these matches. More with Matt Baker coming up after this. It's Soccer in the Lou on the Big 550. Now more Soccer in the Lou with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. And this is an intangible, Matt, but I do. I think there were so many moments last year that the game, regular season games, felt huge. And not to say they won't this year, and we want them to feel big, and and, and and that's not necessarily uh, where I'm trying to go, but with it being the, the the inaugural season, everything felt, every moment felt huge. And and I almost think 
the fellas took it upon themselves to deliver every moment that presented itself. And if they didn't, it was almost almost a letdown. And now this year, you, you sort of go, everything's maybe you handle it and, and you're a player and you're a little more even keel and you don't get to September, October. I don't want to say burnout. I don't think that's what it was at the end of last year. But you can you can treat these you can treat regular season matches like regular season matches. Or if you're in a Champions Cup, say semifinal, you treat that with the gravity that it deserves. But if you're later in the in the year and and you're fighting for playoff positioning and the games and and how much they matter, it increases. I, if you pick up if you pick up what I'm laying down there, Matt, and and yeah, being in the second year and and how that can. Like I said, the coaches aren't going to say, wow, we're not trying in this game. Obviously, that's not the case. But I do think some games are going to matter more than others where last year everything, every game felt like, holy cow, this is a huge deal. I think that speaks to the experience that this entire group has gained with an MLS season from last year. We brought back such a huge core of our team who – had played their first season in MLS last year. The rigors of going from a spring to fall league and the additional competitions that come with that, it was all new for a lot of these players. And so to be able to come back with a core like Roman Berkey, Klaus, Leuven, Joachim Nilsson, all these players that need to perform with significant minutes, they understand the slog of an MLS season. They understand that you need to get hot at the end of the season after League's Cup. That's the make-or-break time. It's not necessarily April or May that you need to go into League's Cup in first place, and that's the goal. You need to come out of League's Cup healthy, strong, and on fire. And if you can get yourself into a position where, ideally, you would, you would move far enough into these, these Cup competitions, U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions Cup, ahead of that, then you have League's Cup you can focus on for a dedicated period of time. But from an MLS season perspective, I don't think the weight of the world exists anymore, to your point, in matches in April or May. Right. It's going to be, and, and this is what I keep cautioning against, is if we go into League's Cup and we are sitting, I don't know, let's say 6th or 7th, we're in playoff position, but it's nowhere near as successful of an MLS regular season compared to last year, but we go into that healthier. We have our first-choice striker, we have our first-choice midfielder, and they haven't had injury issues. They just need a little bit of a, that rest to recharge themselves going in. That's a much better position than we were in this year. You don't get a trophy for finishing first in your conference in the regular season. Bradley Carnell has said that very directly. They want trophies. They want cups. They want silverware. And the way to do that is by winning playoff games. Being in a position at the end of the season to make the playoffs and to go far enough in the playoffs. You either do that or you have to be the absolute best team in the entire league. It's, right. it's, one, it's, it's often one or the other. It's very rare, LAFC being the most recent exclu- uh, you know, outlier to this rule, but it is very rare to pull the double in MLS, winning the Supporter Shield and MLS Cup, because you oftentimes have teams built two different ways. You have, you have a team that might be built for the slog of an MLS season. They prioritize only the MLS regular season, and they're head and shoulders away like FC Cincinnati last year. Or you have a team that, going into League's Cup, going into the transfer window in the summer, you're thinking, this, this isn't even a playoff team. I wouldn't be surprised if this team didn't win the playoffs. And all of a sudden, the Columbus crew come into the playoffs. They make it. 
and they go all the way. Like there are two teams, there are two ways to build a team oftentimes in MLS, and it's going to be fascinating to see how St. Louis can either start strong, withstand the slog, go far in some of these cups, and, and all of this is going to drive what happens at the end of League's Cup. When you have that home stretch where everything else is clear from your schedule, you've gotten rid of all of the cup competitions, and suddenly it's the home stretch. Where we end up with that, it's going to be a very different one way or the other St. Louis City than what we see right now. Great stuff as always, man. I love we can go in a lot of different directions, and we and we certainly did tonight, covered a lot of ground. And you've got Flyover Footy coming up this week. What are you guys going to be working on that we can hear Saturday night on the Big 550? Hoping to look at preseason results. We're going to dig into that Galaxy game. We, we teased it a little bit, but there's plenty to look at on the excitement from our midfield, from our attackers. We hope to look at this LAFC game that is ideally being played tomorrow, but we'll see if weather permitting on that. Right. At some of our loanees, looking at a lot of the information, just uh, with Concacaf Champions Cup that starts this week. Matt, great stuff, sir. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week, and I look forward to hearing you on Saturday. Thanks as always, Brendan. That's our show. Soccer in the Lou, St. Louis City SC and LAFC weather permitting tomorrow out in California. St. Louis Soccer Weekly comes your way back here on the Big Five Fifty Friday night at six. We'll see you then.